Artists lost and found. Artists creating through centuries against all odds. Artists Lost and Found is a podcast created for and by artists. Bringing you legends, tales of wisdom from our artist ancestors, the ancients. And you'll hear stories and interviews with the modern working artists of today. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Barbara Gregson, a working theater artist, author, and director, and one of the producers of this podcast, Our Artists Lost and Found, along with uh, Gregson Theater and Friends and musician, composer, and sound engineer, Eric Porter. Artists Lost and Found is created and recorded at our studio in beautiful Shenango County, New York. And here we go. Episode two is called The Prison Story, and it is about two artists, a musician and theater artist hired to play for an audience of 500 incarcerated men at a maximum security prison and how their most harrowing performance became the most cherished and rewarding performance of their lives. So, there we were. Tony and I, sitting in our 1970s VW van, Craning our necks to look up and through the windshield at the huge medieval fortress in front of us. The fortress was thousands of feet tall. It was towering stone walls along with turrets and barbed wire and guards on top. The fortress was SCI Greaterford in Coatesfield, PA. Greaterford is a maximum security men's prison built in the 1930s with 3,000 men currently incarcerated in it. We were going to be playing and performing within those walls in about three hours. That day in August 1987 was our first day of a 15-day theater and music residency that we would be facilitating at Greaterford. I would work with about 15 men who would write and perform their show at the end, and Tony would form a band of musicians, maybe seven inmates, who would compose and play the music for the show. We were scheduled to perform our mask, mime, and music show at 5 p.m. that evening in the auditorium. We always started our residencies with a live performance so that the school, nursing home, or juvenile prison, or wherever we were, could see the kind of theater they would be learning, creating, and then performing. 
We talked about what pieces and improvs with the audience we would do as we drove around the huge walls to the school security entrance in the back of the prison. This job was our first in an adult prison, having only worked in juvenile facilities before, which were much more like private schools than prisons. At least, they were nothing like Greaterford. We were excited and nervous as we pulled up to the security entrance. Everything should go fine since we would have several teachers, the school principal, and the trustees, inmates who helped out in the school during the performance before and after. They would sign up the men interested in participating in the residency. If no one signed up to work with us, then there was no residency after tonight and we would be out of a very lucrative contract. So it was crucial that the audience liked our show and wanted to be part of this creative process and wanted to work with us. So we came to the security entrance, dreading the gauntlet up ahead, the long walk from the security and school to the auditorium. Here we go, I said as I jumped out and went for the dolly parked by the entrance. We unloaded all of our equipment, vibes, synthesizer, costume, mask, etc., and now the fun part began. They searched us, then Tony's equipment, my costumes and masks, counting everything we had brought in, reading from a list we had supplied in our pre-residency visit. The guard opened my mask case and counted all five of them. There were five different feelings, painted in different colors and made out of paper mache. And he said, as he checked them all off the list, don't let these out of your sight. There are five here, and I'll count them again on your way out. I said to Tony as we were pushing the dolly from security and going through the hallway, yeah, I can just see it. Security, lockdown, inmate escaping in large purple happy mask. Now, here's the part that felt like, a, like we were in a 1930s, 40s prison movie with James Cagney and his gangster friends looking around as we were to maneuver our cart through the massive hallway ahead. We were met by the principal after making it through security and after our greetings, etc., we started on the long walk, running a gauntlet from one end of this, of this massive prison to the other end. At least a half a mile walk past cell blocks stretching out on either side of the hallway to the auditorium gym at the far end where we would be performing. The principal, a frail 60-ish man with a limp and a cough, said as we began our journey, keep moving. Of course we would. As we traveled down the massive hallway, there we were, little Italian guy Tony, a musician, not a fighter, and the only woman in a five-mile radius amongst 3,000 angry, desperate, bored, looking for something to do, men. For example, we passed the inmate mopping the floor in slow motion. And then he looked up at us with a sneer, licked his lips, then back to mopping the floor slowly as if nothing happened. Then we encountered two inmates with cleaning a cleaning cart, pretending to drop something in front of us and get stuck with the cart and stopping us. They really did this just to check me out, the only woman in the group, and hopefully look up my skirt or some such thing. But of course, I wasn't wearing one, just leggings and a big baggy top. 
I'd have to be an idiot to wear a skirt here. So they picked up the mop and bowed extravagantly, moved their cart, and let us pass by. Next, we were almost at the auditorium doors when the cell blocks on our right and left opened up. We were surrounded by a swarm of men on their way to dinner. Our guide, the principal, said, Just keep moving! Don't look at anyone! Which, of course, we didn't. Speeding up, weaving, and racing through the crowds of uniformed men with their catcalls, whistles, wisecracks, finally passed them to an empty space at the end of the hall, the auditorium, our destination. The principal took out his keys and unlocked the double doors. We pushed the dolly down the aisle of this huge, dark gym towards a flat performing space down below. This was our performance space and home for the next two hours. The principal locked the doors behind him and said as he followed us down the aisle, well, that could have been worse. (coughs) He then coughed and mumbled about retiring soon, proceeded to slump into one of the metal chairs in the front row and proceeded to fall asleep. Our show time was for 5 p.m., and by the time we finally got there, it was 4.15, and Tony was about halfway through setting up his equipment, synthesizers, vibes, at 4.30 when a door opened from a corner in the back of the auditorium behind us, and a man in a sweatsuit emerged. Turns out he was the gym teacher on his way out. He turned to us and he was, as he was walking up the aisle, about to leave, and he said, um, it's time for me to go. Oh, uh, usually Friday nights is movie night, and I don't know if anyone told the inmates that they were seeing you tonight rather than a movie. Then he unlocked the doors, opened them, went out, slamming them, shut, and locking us in. The loud noise awoke the sleeping principal, waking with a wheeze and a cough, and said, Well, (laughs) it's getting time for me, too. Good luck getting inmates to sign up for the residency. (coughs) Joseph, the trustee you met, will be taking names of the interested men for you. We had met Joseph at our pre-residency meeting. He would take the names of interested students, our future cast and musicians for the band, but would not give us much security. He was a writer, an intellectual, not much of a fighter, spending his time with books rather than weights definitely not much of a bodyguard. So the principal left up the aisle, locking the doors behind him with a slam. Well, at least we have a music teacher with us, Tony said, as he started warming up on the vibes. But of course, this was not to be. A few minutes later, after the principal left, the doors opened and down the aisle came the music teacher, Mark. He ran down the aisle, stopped and said, sorry man, gotta go, can't stay, I have a big gig tonight, you know how that is, it's with my new band and it's last minute, Friday night, I gotta do it, oh, and if anything happens, see that door in the back, over there, just just run in there and, uh, you know, it's open and lock the door behind you, he pointed to the door way in the back of the gym where the gym teacher had emerged earlier. And Tony said, well, what about my equipment? And Mark said, just leave it and run in there and lock the door. Forget your equipment, guys. Uh, But don't worry. 
Everything will be fine, you'll be fine. With that, he turned and headed back up the aisle. Hey, you'll be fine. Hope you get some musicians and actors. And uh, proceeded to unlock the doors and then lock them behind him with a clang, a bang, and a slam. We stood there in shock, looked at each other. What the fuck are we going to do? And that's when the banging began. Then it started. The bang, banging, and shouting at the doors. Audience, the men out there wanting to come in. It was 4.45, almost showtime. I I said to Tony, well, what are we going to do? As they were yelling and banging on the doors. Open up! Open up! It's movie night! Screaming and yelling and banging. I said, over the roar. So what are we going to do? He said, well, what we always do, start the show. You know, we we just got to do this. Start the show, mask, improvise. We better get going. Here we go. I took a deep breath and said, okay, let's do it. I threw on my black full-length cloak, then each feeling's mask. The first was innocence, then angry, sad, happy, and at the end, and the largest one that all of the audience would see first was a large gray paper mache mask of an old man. The feeling was, and character, wisdom. When the final mask was on, I turned to Tony, waved and started up the aisle as he turned on the synthesizer and started playing some soothing string sounds, cello, or violin, and then he picked up his mallets and began to play the vibes. The music lifted me up out of this damp, dark, paint-peeling, depressing gymnasium auditorium. I became the old man. I was in character. And as I walked up the aisle to the metal doors, the top of the auditorium, I gestured to the guards to open the doors. The guards opened the doors. I had stepped back to give the first men room to come down the aisle and see me halfway down. They were greeted by a wise old man in a large, long black cloak. So like every show, I always would greet the audience and get to know them by improvising with them in mime, and I would start playing the old wise man character. I moved in characters, this old wise man with a large paper mache old mask, and bowed to them, I greeted them, opening mime doors, taking their tickets, ushering them in in all kinds of ways, bringing them down to the seats, Basically, everything we would do for our kids' show. So an old man greeted them, and Tony down below was playing beautiful music, soothing in the vibes with the vibes and synthesizer. And so they began to laugh, smile. Some of them improvised and played back with me, opening their own doors, going over barricades, going around poles and things that I had set up, different illusions chasing butterflies. Anyway, they began to laugh and to take their seats and were interested. 
Once everyone was seated, 300 to 400 men, I continued on with the feelings piece. Tony played music to go along with each emotion. Next, from the old man wisdom, was happiness, a purple mask, then sadness, which was blue, and anger, which was green, ending with a little mask of innocence. I turned, took off my little mask, then turned back and spoke to the audience, welcoming everyone and explaining why we were there and what we, you know, were planning on doing. Also, I asked if anyone from the audience wanted to wear one of the masks. An elderly African-American man came up, took the sad mask from my prop table, and said, This is how this place makes me feel. He proceeded to fall onto his knees and raise his hands to the sky. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. The audience burst into applause. Needless to say, the most terrifying experience became one of the most beautiful and rewarding performance experiences of our lives. Joseph, the trustee, signed up about 23 men that night. Eight musicians for the band and 15 for the theater group. They were amazing students, writers, musicians, and performers. Their show for the prison population was a huge success. The end. For listening to the prison story. If you enjoyed it, stick around and you'll really be inspired by the interview I did in June 2020 with the Tony from the prison story, jazz musician Tony Maselli. But first, all of us at Artists Lost and Found want to thank you all for the tremendous response, advice, and feedback and support we have received from you so far. We've received great comments on our Facebook page, Artists Lost and Found Podcast, and or our website. If you want to be part of the conversation, please join in. And our website is www.artistslostandfound.com. We would like to give special thanks to our sponsor, Shenango Arts Council in Norwich, New York. They have some really new and exciting benefits if you become a member, such as live promotions, sponsorships, and podcasts. So call Executive Director Alicia O'Neill today and find out more about it. Her number is 607-336-2787 or go to their website, shenangoarts.org. And now, on to the interview with Tony Maselli, jazz musician, composer, educator, and the Tony from The Prison Story. Now. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. 
So, hi, Tony. <laughs> hi, Barbara. You. Uh -huh. um, and thanks for being our first interviewee on Artists Lost and Found. Okay, that's great. Uh, I have some questions that I wanted to ask you, um, and I know our listeners would be really interested as well in you know, your process, how you work, and how you worked in 1986 to 1987. What kind of music were you, um, were you playing? Um, what instruments were you working with at that time before we went into Greaterford Prison? And then I'll ask you some questions about that as well. But first, what were you, what were you doing musically? Uh, well, I remember at the time I was doing a lot of jazz gigs. I remember that. I remember that I was also doing casino gigs because the casinos were big back then. And they actually had jazz rooms and some other rooms. So I'd be, I would go down there and play and the money was good. So mm -hmm. we all did it despite, you know, um, some other problems uh, with just being in casinos. But uh, and in addition, I remember that all the synthesizers were just starting to really come out. Like just, just, um, uh, I, I remember I helped, this is this little f strange and funny, but I helped a buddy throw a Fender Rhodes in the Delaware River because oh, no. he, couldn't, he couldn't sell it. And he just said, I'm just throwing it in the river. And, and he grabbed it and I grabbed the other side and we threw it in the river. And, um, because uh, you know all these big instruments were being replaced by uh, small synthesizers and I was just getting into it and I was totally into synthesizers and the sounds um, and I remember we had uh, just for the for the digital heads out there I had the first sequencing program for the Mac which was called as I remember Total Music and that's what I sequenced your show with Right. And I would come in there with a Mac 512K, what, what was it called? 512 Plus, um, the early Macs. And we would set that, we, I'd set it up and I had uh, stuff uh, sequenced. And then I had the vibes and we had a P, I had a PA system. So you had a lot of sounds that, that <laughs> you could add. You used to say to me sometimes, I want this kind of thing. I want that kind of thing. And right. I do sounds. Right. And, you find one you like. So that was kind of cool with being able to do theater with you that I got to really experiment with all the different sounds. Right, amazing. Mm -hmm. So when we went to Greaterford that day in August, 1987 uh, to perform, tell us about your feelings and your impressions of what, let's say in the beginning when we went through the security and walking down the hall and so on, and then into the gymnasium. If you can just give me a... Tell well, us a little bit about your feelings. I remember, um, as you do, it was, uh, they called it a clothesline. So Greaterford was a clothesline. It was a long straight pole with wings off to the side. And we had to go from the beginning of it to the end of it. So we had to go through all the, the cell blocks and all the inmates were behind there waiting. They were going to open the doors in, in a, about 15 or 20 minutes. So they were all lined up. And I just remember just like in a movies going by each cell block and guys just yelling things, yelling, mm -hmm. you know, rude things to about you um, and just dumb stuff to me. And we just kept walking. I remember I looked at you and you just your eyes were straight ahead and you just you just kept walking. And we went right. down and went to the theater, which was just a huge concrete, unacoustic friendly 
room um, and uh, we sat up there and then I just remembered somebody said we're opening the doors and I don't remember it was you or I said, oh, aren't there guards? And they said, nobody told the guards about this. So there won't be any guards here tonight. And I thought, oh, <laughs> right. that's interesting. Okay. Okay. So I remember, Tony, when we realized we had no guards that were going to be in the auditorium with us, that it was movie night, supposedly. They never knew that it was movie night. The inmates was canceled. And also we had several teachers that said that they could not stay. So we yes. were alone. And I said to you, what should we do? And you said, just get started. Let's go. So go up the aisle and let's start doing our show like we always do. Yes, because I don't know what else we do. I mean, we could pack up and leave, right? Right. right. But I just right. remembered when they said the movies were canceled. And I just thought, okay, the movies were canceled. They don't know about it. And they're going to see a mime and music show. I know. <laughs> and I just thought, that's not going to make any sense to them. But you know, we, we played in a lot of strange places and we do what I think you're supposed to do. And that is play, you know, yeah. I always hear, I always think about us doing Mimsic when I talk, when I hear comedians being interviewed, because they talk about going into these places and just people hating them and they just had to do their show. And I just thought, right. well, I mean, people didn't, people liked what we did. Yeah, that's a little different, but we would just be in some spots and we'd look at each other like, "What? how is this going to work? And then we'd say the same thing. Let's just do it. That's all right. we could. Uh, that's all we can do. And we, we always did it. And it was always a good outcome. Um, and people liked it. Right. So that's exactly what I was going to ask you next was um, why do you think we had such a great response? 500 men came down the aisles and they heard your music. And, and you were playing um, Vibes and the synthesizer, right? And so tell me again about why do you think they liked the music so much? I mean, why were they all of a sudden so intrigued? Well, I looked at it a little differently because you were at the top with this weird mask on, the big, I remember the big gray mm -hmm. one. Right. The first of your masks. And I just saw them walking in and just like stop dead in their tracks. Who, who would have expected they would have never have expected to walk through those gates and see somebody. They couldn't tell, you know, whether you were male or female because you had a cloak on. Right. And they just walked in and I think they were just like, what? And there you are with the mask and you were pulling them down. I remember you doing the rope thing and pulling them right. down right. and they heard the music. So I guess the good thing was it was so unexpected that they were just, baffled and i think that got them in and got them seated mm -hmm. and then we did our thing and i don't think they ever probably never saw anything like it before um i remember i taught a class in um camden at the rowan branch at the rowan branch yes for 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 the the camden branch for rowan university mm -hmm. and i took a whole bunch of students that had never been to the art museum uh before and they were blown away. So I think it's that same thing. They'd never seen this before. They had no idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. And they're hearing strange sounds and you're, you, you're, see, you're doing strange things with masks, masks on. And I think that that kind of got them quiet and then got them in their seats. Yeah. And also I think that that kept the interest, of course, during the mm -hmm. show. 
Um, and so at the end, we were able to um, sign up 15 actor mimes uh, for me to work with and to create a show in a couple months. And then you got a band together. So, so tell me about the band. This is really interesting <laughs> to, well, for people, I would think, for well, other musicians. How, who were they, if you could remember? I mean, how many were there? And what instruments were they, you know, did they play, for example? Yeah, I, I remember some of the instruments, but we had a couple horn players, bass, drums, uh, guitar. Um, I remember we had a running joke because that whole band, everybody in the band was uh, commutated. Is that, is that how you say it? Off death row. So they were, everybody in that band was found guilty of murder. And the, the interesting, we had a joke and I used to say, oh my God. I'm in a band where everybody kills somebody. And they would say, no, 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 you're in a band where everybody was caught killing somebody. Just saying that maybe I had killed somebody, but I was never caught. And oh so we, we, had, uh, we had a little a joke about that, but they were, they were good guys for, for the most part. You know, they were, um, we, we had a nice band and I think they did, a, we, they did a good job at the end when we did, um, they accompanied, uh, the some of the pieces and they i think they played a couple pieces by themselves mm -hmm. but they were good guys and you know we we made some friends out of that first experience um mm -hmm. and I, um i guess i i won't say his last name but john was mm -hmm. was one and um i had a made a friend named vince that i came back and saw as i taught there for a few years and um i forget i remember there was theodore um but for the i think they did a they did a good job considering and i and i learned as you did uh that if you want to get something done you get the inmates to help you because they knew they knew how to get things done right. and when we needed equipment and we needed stuff i would go and ask a guard or a teacher and they would they would say no 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 let's and and they would go off and do it and get something that might have taken a long time to get done they they got things done uh really quickly i remember we were setting up the show and the mm -hmm. classes and we were trying to work it out with the music teacher and he left and then the, that one inmate um i forget Yusef. his name Yusef. he was amazing he was amazing and he, he got everything done in minutes just making phone calls and and doing everything mm -hmm. so he was a trustee and and other right. trustees all that all worked in the school right. um were amazing they get they did all the administration for us yes and they did a fantastic job so okay so but the thing is i remember how difficult it was for you at times to get them to agree I mean, you've got like eight to 10 guys all trying to improvise music. I mean, how does, how does that happen? And, and do you still do the same thing today? You still yeah, work I, the same process? Yeah, I think the principle is the same. You get them, uh, you get them to listen. And they're, I, I would, they're not necessarily good listeners. They're in, a, in, a, in an environment where they're not good listeners. And um uh, so musically, they're not going to be good, good listeners. I, and I, re, I, I remember myself back then, too, and I don't think I was a good listener. So mm -hmm. we all worked on listening together and we kind of we kind of made it we kind of made it happen. And there were some mm -hmm. tough point. There were some tough times. And 
right. guys who get mad and they have, they have short tempers. Um, right. But, but uh, I, I just remember, you know, they just, they knew that they couldn't cross a certain line, especially because they're, they're in jail. So they couldn't fight with each other. They couldn't do, we could get in arguments, but uh, uh, I, I know that they knew if, if they crossed a line, it would, things would be really bad for them. And they always got up to that line and stopped. And then right. we would work things out. Wow, that's great. Yep, that's I remember because some of the rehearsals we had together where the band was there watching, yes. you know, that my uh, actor mimes slash writers all performing, working on their pieces and the band would have to watch and then you'd have to figure out the music that would go with it. So there was a lot of uh, watching, listening and agreeing. <laughs> yes, yes. Really amazing process, uh, really incredible. And does anybody ever write any? Did you did did you write down any music, or was everything was just kind of you guys all kind of improvised and remembered it? How how did that? Yeah, work? yeah. We just we I think we just made made stuff up. I, you know, I think um, remembering music is different from remembering other things. So I think it's a it's a lot easier okay. uh, to remember. And we did all that, and you know, but I did that with you with um, mm -hmm. third and fourth graders, you know, and they right. remembered everything. Right. So. Right. Yeah, so nothing was nothing was written down. Right. So and this is the way it was always and it is still the way you work, right? Today with with other musicians, professional musicians as well as with students for example or, or Well, with professional musicians it goes either way. If somebody writes a tune, you know, they bring in the music. Mm -hmm. Um but a lot of what I do is improvisation, so it, it's it's a lot of you know, having knowing what the chords are, but then seeing where where we wind up, um, how we manipulate those chords in subtle ways. So a lot, of, in, and a lot of it for me is jazz standards, playing jazz standards, mm -hmm. and improvising over that. So there there are things that I do with music, and there's a lot I still do without. Right. So the question I have now is, um, so let's say in 2018, 2019, what is the work that you were doing, um, you know, outside in the world before the coronavirus hit? So tell us a little bit, what were you doing professionally, teaching, you know, touring, what, what were you working on? Oh, I was doing a lot of traveling, um, traveling and playing. I was teaching at uh, three universities um, and another uh, two scholarship programs at a local music institution here and gigging locally and uh, teaching. I, I have some, I still have uh, them. I have some amazing, amazing students, uh, mm -hmm. vibe players. So I was really, uh, I was busy. Everything seemed like, you know, that I was okay. I always think at, as a musician, um, I always think, okay, looks like I'm cool for the next year. Now, let me work on this, this, and this, because maybe the following year I can get into that. So I felt like I was cool. I was going to make it through the summer. I was traveling the four or five countries uh, last April and May. I was supposed to spend two weeks in Greece. I had all this amazing wow. stuff going on. Um, so I, it seemed like the summer was going to be fine. I was mm -hmm. supposed to go to uh, Ireland, France, and then I was going to have um, a big uh, workshop and festival here that I put up, uh, put on with Steve Weiss music. So everything was great. <laughs> and I just thought I'm going to make it to the fall. So cool. 
Right. And then all this hit and I began in, in about three or four days, I've got notices from everybody that they were canceling. Mm-hmm. I did the same, had the same problem. Yes. Yes. I had a lot of residencies set up and all kinds of really wonderful workshops and, and work, uh, working with different groups of people. And also the same thing. I got calls within, we all figured it out by March. You know what I mean? Mid-March yep. wasn't going to happen. Yes. Um, so wh- what are you doing now at this time? How are you being, how are you working? You know, what, what are you doing right now from home? Well, I think thanks to the stuff we did, uh, that got me into computers early on. And I remember early on for just for fun, I learned programming. I learned Pascal and basic. And I remember studying, uh, just dabbling in assembly language. Not that I could do much in it, but I remember reading a book on it and doing things. And I've always been into computers. Um, and I was always good with technology. And for the last 12 or 13 years, I've run a, um, a site called vibesworkshop.com for vibraphone players. And I put lessons up there and people pay a monthly fee for the lesson. And I have, um, membership is free. So I have about 5,000 members and I have about anywhere. It goes up and down from a hundred to 400 people paying um, for the lessons. And I have a partner who's an amazing programmer. And between all that, um, I was all prepared from when this thing hit. So I've got Google classroom set up. I'm doing lessons all week long online. Um, I'm doing workshops. Uh, we just did a weekend workshop. I'm preparing some online workshops for the summer. Um, and, uh, and I'm just working, working hard. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know my son, Nico, uh, works for Google. And mm-hmm. I just began calling him and asking him for ideas. And he turned me on to Google Classroom. That's so great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also, um, so that's what my last question was going to be. How can people find you? You know, how to, what is your, you know, what name of your website, whatever, you know, everything. Well, if if you just put in Tony Maselli, M-I-C-E-L-I, and put in Vibraphone after that, everything's going to come up. I mean, I've been doing this so long that I've got like uh, internet cred, you know, just from Mm -hmm. doing things everywhere. So it'll come up. My website is TonyMaselli.com. And I'm on Facebook all over the place there, Instagram. You know, I just, uh, I'm good with, I'm, I'm okay with the social media stuff. So wow. I, I use Wonderful. it all. Yeah. Thank God. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I was, oh, and by the way, is there anything else that you wanted to mention that we ne- didn't have time to talk about? Is there any question that I might have, should have asked you or... Uh, I think the only only thing maybe is just to say uh, all the that I do all these things all the time and I'm good at something and I go I go well that's because of Mimzik back in the eighties and the nineties that's from working with you with you with students that's from mm-hmm. doing electronic music uh, so there's so many things that I do now that I think because I, I think I'm pr- I'm kind of an introvert so mm-hmm. I think if I didn't get those skills together. Uh, with you, 
who I think of as an, more of an extrovert than an introvert, you're, you, you're very outgoing, uh, then I, I wouldn't have, I don't know how I would have accomplished the things I've accomplished. So mm-hmm. it's so, a good point. Yeah, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we did all that. Yeah, I am too. So I think that's a really good point. The idea that working as a musician in so many different ways as you have over the years, yes. um, like with theater, with me, um, you know, writing original music to go with the theater and then working with all these different groups of people really, really expanded your your um, knowledge, right? Your, your oh, skill. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes just- sense. Yeah, it just got me thinking in different ways and and just how, you know, like you were really good at somebody saying, well, we need to do, I remember we used to sit in the rooms with um, teachers and principals and we used to ask them what ideas they have. And they're not used to, I was going to say they're not creative people, but that's not true, but they weren't mm-hmm. used to thinking like that. Mm-hmm. And they would really have not a lot to say. And then they would tell us the topic and then you would just go and you would just, spit out ideas and then I would join in and we would overwhelm them with what we were going to do and what we could do. And they couldn't, they couldn't believe it. So just being in that process with you, I think helped me to be able to sit in rooms with people and go, okay, what do you want to do? I mean, this week I'm doing um, uh, a a concert with a high school where everything's done online. Uh, I worked with the students and they're all preparing everything and sending in videos and I'm putting the videos together and then certain students are going to play live and I'm going to play live. And I just think, well, in a way that's kind of theater. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know how I would have gotten to this point if we didn't do what we did because I just jumped in and said, okay, here's what you do. I want this, this, and this. And if they make a video, make sure they do this in the background, have a nice background, maybe get like a, uh, brother or sister to walk by just just to make things cute and i just think all that that way of thinking came from us dealing with uh schools of 600 kids mm-hmm. and having because we used to incorporate all 600 kids in what we did in some way or another <laughs> right so yes right and also working in juvenile facilities and other prisons and, oh god oh yeah right yeah. I think the hardest job I had was working at Greaterford. I think that was the most difficult uh, in terms of the performance. And then, and then pretty hard too working with the group of guys. I mean, not that they were, had, I had any problems, but the, the actual tension in the place, you know, the actual yes. self was just yes. so scary. Where I would, I, probably the best one for us, yeah. For me, was Waynesburg, the women's yeah. prison. The mm-hmm. women were amazing. Uh, they were course. amazing. That was yeah. great. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. So any, so your advice basically to any musicians out there would be to basically do what? Do everything. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I would say is consider, consider including all, all the young kids are doing this. So I, mm-hmm. I only have to say it to yeah. young students, but we're going to all have, we're all going to have to include some technology in what we do. I know uh, my universities, you know, have some teachers that are in their seventies and eighties and they had to teach their lessons, you know, online. So they had to use technology or they weren't going to get paid for the rest of the semester. And they all kind of got it going. Maybe the things they could have done a lot better, but they got it and it worked. 
and it's fine. So I think we're uh, musicians nowadays. I don't care if you play, uh, you know, folk guitar, you're going to have to uh, uh, get some technology going one way or another. That's it for today, artists. Now, get back to work. Just kidding. Well, sort of. We need all of you artists out there to keep creating, especially now during the pandemic when things are really tough for many people. So keep creating against all odds. Please contact us at artistlostandfound.com if you have an inspiring story to tell us about a working modern artist or any artist from the olden days or an artist legend. We might share it on our podcast. Artist Lost and Found was produced in our Shenango, New York studio. Uh, music recording and editing by Eric Porter. Marketing and PR by Shauna Stevenson. And your host, Barbara Gregson.